This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. You're listening to episode 20. Ready or not, here I come. Of the In Between podcast, where you'll hear conversations on marriage, parenting, faith, and everything in between. My name is Daniel Im. And I'm Christina Im. Well, today we're going to be talking about life in our 20s. Yes, we had the wonderful opportunity to interview Drew Mosier. He is the co-author of the book called Ready or Not, Leaning into Life in Our 20s. Yeah, it was a fun interview that we had the chance to do together and just not only talk about life in our 20s, but how parents can parent teenagers to be ready for life in their 20s as well. Right. And we talked a little bit about it in the podcast interview, but the way he describes the 20s um, as of now We, I mean, it's not like we were so far ahead. We're only in our mid-30s, but it's really, really changed Mm -hmm. since we've been in our 20s. And so I think this is a valuable book and a valuable interview for parents who are raising teens and thinking, oh my, this is completely different than how I was and the world is completely different than how I was as a teenager. So we can't necessarily parent the way Um, we've been parented or the way that we grew up. Yeah, as well as if you are in your 20s or your 30s, single, dating, engaged or married, uh, this is going to be a great interview for you to kind of lean into as you learn about uh, leaning into life, you know, using their subtitle, leaning into life in our 20s, but also beyond that. So if you go to inbetween.org backslash episode 20, you'll get links to his book, to learn a little bit more about uh, Drew and the ministry that he leads, as well as to get some awesome, and I, I don't think we've really ever mentioned this, but how great our social media is because you, you Christina, and all the shareable images, the oh, quotable images that you even. create. So if, you, <laughs> if you're wondering where all those are coming from, Christina creates them and she puts it in every episode show notes. So if you're looking for some inspiring advice to Instagram, tweet, or Facebook, uh, feel free to grab those images and share them. But you know, before we get into the interview, let's re- read one of our reviews. And I love this. And if you haven't yet left a review... Uh, We would be honored if you do so. We read every single one of them. Mm -hmm. It helps us get better. It encourages us, and it's a great way to give feedback. But this one is from Josh Fortney. I don't know if it's like Josh Fortney or Josh Fortini. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah <laughs> sounds I'm, like pasta yeah <laughs> oh yeah Josh <laughs> uh, so five stars the title is easy exclamation mark and this is what he said I love how easy and fun the Ims make marriage out to be it's not done from a point of pride or naivete but it's a wonderful testimony of two like-minded people enjoying the heck out of each other such an encouragement to my marriage oh I enjoy the heck out of you <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy the heck out of you too yeah. You know, me and you, not necessarily Josh Fortney, but we enjoy his comment, right? (laughs) Okay, that was weird. So, you know what? um, Let's get into the interview. Just so you know who Drew Mosier is and who we're talking to, he is a college professor and a dean at Taylor University in Indiana. He is the father of five children. (laughs) 
<laughs> him and his wife. I like have to clap right there. There you go. No kidding. No kidding. And him and his co-author are co-directors of the Vocation in College project. So let's listen in. All right, Drew. Well, thank you for joining us and welcome to the In Between podcast. Hey, thank you so much for having me. It's good to be with you. Yeah, totally. Well, I just want to say that um, I love, I mean, we both love this book, but I really, really appreciated the Red Near Not book that you had written. And uh, I was actually talking to a friend about it who their daughter is moving on to college. And I recommended your book as like one of those books to give as you're sending off your child to college. I mean, it's one of those like I wish, um, and maybe that's something I can start doing is like writing those letters to, you know, your child in, you know, this is what I want you to know before you go off to college. But for those who haven't, Seriously, this book is basically, I feel like, letters of stuff that I would want to write to my children to be like, this is how you how you live life in college, and this is how, you know, wisdom and nuggets of truth to be able to help them grow up. Wow. Well, thank you so much. That, that makes my day. Truly, it does. So thank you. Yeah, well, thank you for writing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool to uh, the way that you went about it. And even as I was reading through it, I was like, you know what, this is... As much as you wrote, I understand because you work at, um, you know, you work at Taylor mm-hmm. and uh, is it Taylor College or Taylor University? Oh, Taylor yeah. University. Yeah. So you work at Taylor yeah. University. So I know you're kind of like day in, day out with college students. But uh, even for Christina and I in our 30s, uh, I mean, we're I was reading it and I was like, hey, I'm learning stuff through here. This is right. this is super beneficial. And, and don't you like, wish you had this when you were oh, in your totally, 20s too? Oh, totally, totally. Like if I could turn back time, I would read your book. Yeah. And I'd probably yeah. make a few better decisions. <laughs> yes. Well, Truth well always, that's why I wrote the book because it's the book I wish I had had. That's good. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. So there you go. That's good. So why don't you tease that out for a little bit, you know, us a little bit. You know, what kind of inspired you to write this uh, about the 20s decade? Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I think a few things. Uh, first, my career has been spent with 20-somethings. Mm-hmm. So every day, really since I graduated from college, I've continued to spend with 20-somethings in a variety of contexts, from uh, you know, church ministry to nonprofit work and then in higher education where I am now. So so it's uh, really designed to be a resource for them because okay. I in t- in my career, I kept uh, running into these conversations about what am I supposed to do with my life mm. and looking around for helpful resources. There's certainly some good things out there, but uh, something that really uh, brought together all the things that I end up talking about with 20-somethings and teach on or speak on. So it's really designed to be a resource. It is also, as I mentioned, the book I wish I had mm-hmm. when I was in my 20s. I think my uh, 20s were uh, a real time of uh, questioning and confusion about where am I going? Yes. What, <laughs> what I am I that. doing? <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, am I even devoting myself to the right things? And and so I, I'm really in many ways writing to my former self, but also my current students and, you know, the young professionals that I work with. That's good. Because, uh, I mean, the questions, what I appreciated about the book 
was the work, I guess, kind of the exercises and the questions that you have at the end of each chapter to, to really help. I can I see that you're an educator mm-hmm. because it wasn't just the content, but I could see you were continuing the content through your exercises and through the questions. So I think this is a relevant book, not only for people in their 20s, but if you're in your 30s, 40s, 50s, and you're kind of looking at a career change or a shift in life, I I could see how this would be a great uh, workbook to work through in a sense. Yeah, well, thanks. Thanks. I I hope so. I know I'm in my 30s as well. And I, I'm trying to practice, you know, what I preach in the book. So uh, (laughs) it's been uh, continues to be helpful for me, these, these ideas and these practices. So wonderful. Well, I wanted to touch on something in your intro, you mentioned, and I loved this quote, you mentioned that, um, we need to lean into our twenties. Like, uh, first of all, what did you mean by that? And how can we practically do that? Yeah. Uh, it's an important concept because I think it's so easy to either let just our life kind of happen Mm -hmm. as it comes And then we can really begin to feel aimless when that happens or that we have no agency in our life. And uh, so leaning into your 20s practically really looks like uh, active participation in the various areas in which you have opportunity and responsibility in your life, Mm -hmm. whether it's your family, whether it's your work, whether it's your community, whether it's your faith community, whatever that might be actively participating in it as opposed to just maybe taking up space. Right. <laughs> so that would be one. Um, also, uh, living responsibly in the various roles in which you find yourself in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so living responsibly as a worker or an employee for your company or organization, living uh, responsibly within your family, whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you're a parent, we're all you know part of a family. What does it mean to live responsibly in that family? Mm-hmm, living responsibly uh, in our community as well. What does it mean to be a good citizen? So all those uh, uh, come under this idea that we have of leaning into our 20s, that we want to actively engage our lives in a process because I think we can also uh, be really prone to view our 20s as just a holding pattern or an on-ramp to real life Mm -hmm. and so there's this destination that we have in mind that's often way far off and idyllic and it seems really hard to get to when in fact there's really good living to be had in our twenties and we need to lean into that and, and pay attention to that. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yeah, you're right. And it's, it's interesting because when, when, I mean, all of us are in our thirties here and I mean, when we, uh, you know, when you kind of think of what people in their early twenties are experiencing today and the world that they're experiencing today, I mean, they're, uh, many early 20 year olds do not know life without Google. <laughs> I right. mean, right. I remember, yeah, without a phone yeah or... <laughs> exactly. It's like, I had a, I don't know if my hotmail address is still, uh, you know, active, but I had yeah. an AOL one. I had a, you know, it's, yes. you know what I'm talking about? Like I had a CompuServe email address. I had a know. rocket mail and I'm really <laughs> have it yeah <laughs> right so i mean it's yeah. it's changed and and life is changing at such a rapid pace Completely. technology i mean we could go down the rabbit trail of ai and just everything that's happening there yeah. as well but i mean you know kind of staying away from that um you know when you when you look at 
social media and how social media is now affecting 20 somethings. Um, I mean, how, how do you, how do you feel like the 20 somethings are dealing with that, that life is different because of that, you know, just kind of tease that out for us. Yeah. I think it's really challenging and hear me out. I, I use social media, you know, I'm not a Luddite. I, I believe <laughs> that technology can be helpful to us. But I do think it poses some problems uh, for 20-somethings because they can instantly see the millions upon millions of options before them for whatever they want to devote themselves to, whether it's their mm-hmm. career, whether it's it's all right here in, in your hand. Yeah, dating options. And dating options, <laughs> career, relationships, yeah, yeah. So right? many options. Everything, everything. There's an app for yeah. it. Right. And that can lead to, you know, what psychologists refer to as the paradox of choice, mm-hmm. that we, we have too many choices and we become really paralyzed yeah. and right. it can be really hard. Uh, I think the other aspect of that is that, uh, particularly social media, uh, provides this ripe opportunity for us to feel like everyone else around us has it figured out. Mm-hmm. And we can look to everyone's Instagram feed and see what an amazing time everyone's having, what great food they're having, what cool place they're in. And then we can start to look around, you know, our apartment (laughs) or our home and think, what am I missing? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think there's this double binding message that 20 somethings experience, which is first of all, to live it up and just experience as much life as possible. Mm -hmm. Before you have to settle down and become a quote unquote real adult, I think there's a lot of pressure to just have as much adventure as you can. And, and the underlying assumption is that adulthood is boring, which I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> I don't either. But yeah. and then alongside that, though, there's this other competing message, but also figure out your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Otherwise, you're behind. That's and I right. think uh, mm-hmm. I think current 20 somethings experience both of those in stereo, you know, around, around their, their brains, around their hearts, around their souls. And I think Mm -hmm. that's really challenging for them. Yeah. Because when you look at who pops on social media and you compare yourself with, you know, I mean, what have I accomplished? And you, I mean, you write about this in your book. It's like, what have I accomplished in my life? And look, Mark Zuckerberg uh, is like the same age as me and he has billions of dollars. And I'm like, what have I been? And he didn't even, you know, did he even graduate? I mean, you know, like Bill Gates, did Steve Jobs graduate? You know, it's just like, you know, you kind of, it's so easy to compare your behind the scenes with everyone else's highlight reels that, I mean, it's, it's, it's something that you didn't get to see really before that, that aspect of social media. So how do you counsel 20 somethings? And it's not even just 20 somethings. I mean, I mean, I struggle with this sometimes too. So just how do you, how do you just counsel, how do you counsel our listeners um, in the way that we so often compare ourselves, uh, you know, with others via social media? What, what kind of advice do you want to give them in light of all sure, that? Sure. Sure. Well, I think uh, the first thing I would say is regulate how much you're on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they're, uh, give yourself uh, an audit of how often you're checking. And there are apps that do this, I mm-hmm. think, but how often you're checking these sites, how much time you're spending on these sites, and then try weaning yourself off of them a little mm. bit. Uh, I think that that's an important thing to do. I think the other thing is to make sure that you are 
experiencing your life in such a way that you are fully present to it Mm -hmm. so that when you are with friends, you are truly with them. Yeah. You're not alone together, you know, where you are just (laughs) searching on, and that's, that's a book title from, uh, Turkle, I think her is her name. So I I wish I came up with that, but it's this concept that we're all, we're lonely, but we're all within proximity to one another. It's it's because we're staring into our phones. Mm -hmm. Uh, so make sure that we're fully present to the things that we're, we are called to attend to in the here and now. Mm -hmm. And, um, also I think too, uh, it's really important for us to make sure that our lives have roots <laughs> near us, mm-hmm. that we're not mm-hmm. just pining for whatever is way off over there. Yeah, and the only way we word. can experience it is through social media. Mm-hmm. So if we have things that we are invested in locally, we have people that we're invested in locally, then we're not as prone to look to social media for those comparison reasons. Right. Um, I don't know who said it, but I've heard it so often that, you know, comparison is the thief of joy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think it's attributed to a lot of people. Uh, but probably Abraham I, Lincoln. I think, probably Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> or <laughs> Churchill. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. I'm sure Mother Teresa, she says yeah. a lot. That's good too. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Right. That's right. Uh, but I think that we need to take that very seriously. That mm-hmm. the comparison trap is only a thumb swipe away. Yes. You know. Yeah. Yep. No, that's great. Andrew, I think you are in such a wonderful and unique position, whereas you had talked already that um, you work with college students, um, but you're also a parent. And so I think it's wonderful that, um, you know, as I was reading this book, that you had a lot of advice for uh, people who are in their 20s. But I was reading it as well as, okay, so what could I learn that I went through in my 20s? What could I do better? But also as our kids are growing up, these are things that maybe I can, you know, help them understand it, unpack. And so we would love for, you know, the rest of the podcast, if you could help us do that, if you could unpack it for those who are in their 20s, but also for those who um, are parents that have, you know, those teenagers who are creeping up about to go to college or, you know, leave the home. So yeah. and, um, you broke up your book into different chapters, into different um, titles of things that, you know, a lot of the issues that the 20s go through. Um, so yeah. if we could kind of, you know, unpack it one by one, that would be, I think that would be so helpful for our, sure. our listeners. Yeah, yeah, I'd be happy to. Awesome. Thank you. So the first one is family. Um, and I love the part that you were talking about, especially in the family section, where in our 20s, um, we can kind of have that feeling of being in between. Um, yeah. So what did you mean by that? And what are some things that uh, in our 20s and raising you know, kids who will be in their 20s that can help them um, you know, feel more connected with their families? Sure. Well, that in-betweenness, I think, manifests itself in some really simple ways, but mm-hmm. they're pretty profound. So uh, one would be, you know, t- to what extent are your parents still supporting you? <laughs> you know, when you're right. in your 20s, there very rarely is there this firm cutoff from that. Mm-hmm. And it's often not talked about explicitly. True. <laughs> uh, and so there is this kind of navigating somewhat of the awkwardness way, you know, dad used to fill up my tank when I'd come to visit. Now he's not. What does that mean? You know, some of those things. (laughs) Is he angry at me? (laughs) Right. Or, uh, 
Why aren't they he paying was, for dinner anymore? Yeah, dinner, <laughs> dinner. The, the restaurant is a classic one. Yeah. Uh, How are we doing these bills? Right. right. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. And then there's also though this in betweenness in terms of maybe family expectations for what role you should be playing in a family hmm. or what your addition to the family should look like. So I'm thinking of a lot of single 20-somethings who have parents who are just wondering, hey, you seeing anyone? (laughs) 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 And there's there's a lot in that question, right? Mm -hmm. Or if they're young and married, when am I going to become a grandma? Or when am I going to become a grandpa? You know, and those carry a lot of expectations that, hey, wherever you are right now is not quite where we want. And even they're well-intended often, Mm -hmm. But they do carry this assumption that, hey, you're not quite there yet <laughs> where we want to see you go. So there's that in-betweenness, I think. And then I think it's also reinforced in a lot of our faith communities. So churches, mm-hmm. uh, have, uh, they don't know what to do with the vast expanse of 20-somethings often. So they'll have singles ministries or they'll have young married small groups or, you know, and it, this, so much can happen in that 20 thing decade that it's really hard to know how to engage it from, you know, from family members, uh, church, right. So I think that that's part of the in-betweenness. This episode is brought to you in part by beyond ordinary women ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership at bow. We believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, Bow offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. Um, but, you know, I also think, too, that there's this balance that we talk about in the book of trying to navigate to what extent do you contribute to your family mm-hmm. and to what extent do you receive from your family? And some of that comes in some of the more trivial kind of funny things to think about, whether it's paying for dinner or whatnot. But there are other also, I think, deeper issues that that, that can kind of manifest itself. Mm-hmm. Whether it's, you know, who, how often do you show up on holidays or, you know, who, uh, yeah, you know, I, I think there's the family roles shift as more adults enter into it, and twenty yeah. somethings are kind of in that space. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah. so um, as parents then who are raising you know teenagers and whatnot, um, I think a part of me would be like, okay, so do we need to sit down and have these discussions? Like, okay, so when you turn twenty two, you're <laughs> going to pay for your own meal. Like, do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, what? How can how can we sort of help our children navigate? where their space is in the family. Yeah. And I think it's, and I don't mean to put all this on parents, not talking about it. That's not, you know, at all what I mean to say, but rather 
I think most parents want to just love and care for and support their adult children oh, completely, mm -hmm. but are also concerned about enabling them. They don't want, you know, they want them to kind of get out on their own and stand on their own two feet as well. And it's hard to know when, when to maybe pull back a little bit, some of that support. Um, but I do think it, it is helpful. I think to talk, just say, Hey, we love you. What does this look like moving mm -hmm. forward? Yeah. Right. Uh, I love that. Help me understand what role do you want to play in our family as an as an adult? Um, and here's the role we would love for you to play in this family because here's what you bring to our family. But mm -hmm. we know that your life is changing. You're moving to this other city or you're starting this career and we just want to continue to have a healthy relationship with you as, you know, a, a father and a daughter or, you know, whatever the relationship mm -hmm. I think it is important to sit down and talk. We don't have to have this. Okay, here's when I'm cutting you off. You know? <laughs> uh, that'll feel pretty. Down the days. <laughs> right. So start pinching your pennies. But I do think to have more open dialogue about, hey, this is different. Mm -hmm. You are not a teenager anymore. What do we do with that? I think that's important. Yes, yeah. I love that question. And just the, as we talk about in different podcasts too, just the importance of having those conversations, whether they're easy and kind of funny or whether they're going to have to be, you know, surrounded with truth and love too. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Now, um, for the parents who are listening to our podcast who uh, have, you know, elementary school kids, junior high, you know, middle school, high school, or even about to go off to college. I mean, there's always that thought of, hey, what are my kids going to do when they grow up? Um, and, and how do I encourage them? How do I parent them to discover their vocation and their calling? And those are words that you uh, I mean, you, you talk about quite a bit in your first chapter. So yeah. uh, give the parents listening uh, a little bit of advice as to how they can kind of help their children discover their unique vocation and calling. Sure, sure. I think the first thing I would say is to really parent them as human beings, not human doings. Mm -hmm. So That's good. it's really important that we don't structure all of our parenting, all of our praise or all of our correction when it comes to their performance, whether it's on the soccer field, whether it's it in the classroom, mm -hmm. whether it's theater, you know, the lead roles, whatever it might be. And it's not to say those things aren't important. You know, I think those are important to have those activities, but to make sure that we are the focus of our parenting is on their existence as a human being. I think that's, that's critically important. I would also say too, uh, to make sure that they, you help them faithfully attend to what's right in front of them. So, mm -hmm. uh, make sure that they are able to be present and focused to the thing that they need to be doing right now. Now, and what that means though, is that you, we can't overload our children with so many things and so many activities that they can't, that they're rushing through something because they got to get to the next activity. Right. And it's really important to set a good pace for their lives because that'll set trajectories for them into their twenties. Yeah, mm -hmm. It's a good point. They realize Hey, I can't do it all. It's not healthy for me to do it all because if I try to do it all, I'm not going to do anything all that well. And then what that does too is, uh, you know, a lot of the research that I've done with 20 somethings, mm -hmm. the single kind of greatest inhibitor to someone un understanding their calling is a lack of time and space to reflect. Mm. Oh, okay. So 
Uh, but you need to which, check Instagram. <laughs> well, that's part of it, right? So that gets yeah. that. How many but likes do I have in three seconds? Yeah. <laughs> yes, right. Just obsessively checking. Yeah. For sure. yeah. Like, but I also think, too, what we found is uh, at our, in our own context here at Taylor, some of our best and brightest students are student leaders. Mm-hmm. We're a little further behind at times in understanding where they were headed. Hmm. Oh, really? A lot of that was because they were over-involved. Oh, okay. They were devoted to too many things. And so they were going many ways kind of mindlessly from this activity to this leadership team meeting to this volunteer opportunity and, you know, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Not any time and space to actually think and reflect on what they were experiencing or what they were devoting themselves to. Right. So I think it's important to have those experiences for them. We provide our children opportunity to grow and to be stretched and to, but we need to make sure that we give that breathing room in order to uh, allow them to think and reflect upon what mm-hmm. they just experienced. Yeah, so true. And I love that part you were talking about how um, as parents, we can really help like set that pace for them before rather than they get off to college and just are overwhelmed with everything or like, I, I don't even know how to stop. Right. right. So I feel like that's even like that would be a huge learning curve if you've never done that before. And all of a sudden you have to start asking yourself like introspe- introspective questions. That can be a little yeah. scary. For sure. Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. And it can be really hard when everyone around you is is doing everything <laughs> and right. and you're intentionally not in order to create room and, and room to for your family to cultivate, mm-hmm. for your children to cultivate. Mm-hmm good minds and good bodies and good hearts. You know, I think that's, that's important. Yeah. Now I know even for our family, um, in terms of being busy, like, you know, you've, we've both grown up in church and like you were a pastor before. And so our kids were always at church. Um, that fact of like, you know, and being busy and creating that space, do you feel like maybe there's a sense of that too, where, um, we're sending our kids to church all the time and sort of being busy with that. But, uh, you know, studies show too that later on, you know, in high school or even in college, they don't necessarily choose church, even though they were born and raised in church. Right. Yeah, that's that's a tough one. I don't know that I have a good answer for that, but I do think we we live at least within a church culture, mm-hmm. which is Let's get the kids in to the church as often as possible. <laughs> and right. there's a lot of good to that. But there's also uh, an aspect that we we can also just be piling on the activities and experiences mm-hmm. into their already overloaded life. And, and, and so some of that means, hey, if church is really important, maybe that needs to be more of a priority. And maybe we don't do some of these other things. Mm-hmm, right. Or that the our church life needs to make sure that we has time and space for us to think and reflect and talk about what we're hearing mm-hmm. when it comes to church as a family. That's I think becoming something that, that used to happen maybe more often, uh, but maybe doesn't as much anymore because I think we also, a lot of our church life is separated by ages or my kids do this. My kids that of a certain age do this thing on Wednesday night. My other kids of a certain age do this other thing on Sunday night. We do this one thing on, you know, Thursday, whatever it might be. And and we're just kind of coming and going like ships passing in the night Mm -hmm. at our church sometimes. 
Yeah, you you know, when you think about the best leaders, I mean, the best leaders are constantly learning, right? And and they didn't just say, I graduated from school or I'm going from one seminar to the next and that's the only time I'm ever going to learn when I go to certain places. They're constantly learning by themselves with others, with that posture and with that mindset. And especially when it comes to, to a, a church, you know, for, for those of our listeners who uh, do frequent a church here or there. I mean, honestly, when I think about parents who are raising children to own their own faith or for us as adults, for us to uh, own our faith, it's not as much, it's important to go and be a part of a church, but it's even more important for whatever the reason you're going to the church for is actually a daily thing, not a once a week thing. Right. Because right. Then, it, then, it, then it teeters on that line of, uh, inauthenticity and it, te- it teeters on that line of, well, why are you going anyway if you're not living this out, if this is not sincere for you in, you know, six, you know, the, the other six days of the week? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And so we talk in the book about the importance of presence over attendance. Mm-hmm. So instead of just showing up and, you know, sticking you know, your rear ends into a pew, <laughs> you, that you're truly present there and engaging and interacting with what's going on, that's really yeah. important. Even if you agree with it or disagree with it, you, that you're engaged, that you're present in, in that space. Yeah. And then the other thing we talk about is investment over consumption. I think it's easy for us to get into this motor mindset that we go to church to get something right. <laughs> that we want. And, and as opposed to saying, no, we come to this faith community to invest in it. What mm-hmm. is that? like as a family what does that look like changer yeah and that's something a lot messier too (laughs) (laughs) sure sure. but it 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 helps us my wife and i when we think about our own kids involvement in our church Mm -hmm. we want them to not just be consumers of the programs and activities that they have but we want them to invest in the community that is which means that they don't always do uh it's not always fun and games, you know, because mm-hmm. they can get fun and games here at the house. They have them, you know, right. and uh, they can get fun and games all over the place. But they can also serve the homeless, you know, mm-hmm. a meal. And even though that's not fun, that's an investment. And they actually come away with a deeper meaning and understanding of what it means to live in a faith community as a result. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's good. Well, the last thing that we'd love for you to talk about is. Uh, for all of our listeners, how we can better engage in community. Uh, yeah, so, so so what kind of words? I mean, you have a whole chapter on community, but uh, not only for the 20-somethings, but for, uh, you know, even as we were talking before the podcast, you know, before we started recording, you with your five kids, I mean, you, you guys had soccer, we had soccer yeah. with our three <laughs> kids, and it's just like, rush, 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 get home. Yeah. They're like, we want to eat oranges and pistachios. <laughs> they have this thing... One, the first time we came home from soccer, <laughs> we had oranges and we had pistachios at home. Like literally just the, and it's, it's, we just bought a bag of pistachios. Like we never have pistachios in our house. <laughs> now, every Thursday night they ask for oranges and pistachios and we're like, go to bed. We go need to, to record this podcast <laughs> with Drew. Go to bed. Right. And they're like, we're hungry. It's like, go to, so <laughs> well, I think you give them ice cream. The yeah. First game. I mean, even better. <laughs> be expecting ice cream. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll have That's to pull hilarious. that out next time. Yeah. Compliments of you. <laughs> right. So, I mean, even there, it's like we're going and we know the people, we know the other parents. There is that sense of community when it comes to the soccer. But there are also other parents who are there who are standing all by themselves looking at their phones. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like we are so connected, more connected than we've ever been. But our in our society and our culture is lonelier, you know, so much more lonelier than it's ever been. So so give us some insight and wisdom as to how we can all do a better job at growing in community. Yeah, I, I think it's important to look at community in two different ways. One would be the affinity-based communities that we have. So it, if you have a hobby, you tend to gather with people mm-hmm. who like those things. And that's important, you know, for our own kind of sense of fulfillment and and whatnot. But I think that's the easier one. Maybe we can find, we more easily will gravitate towards people who like the same things mm-hmm, that we do. True. The harder one is the proximate community. So the community that's right around us. and I think a good gut check for that is, do you know your neighbors? <laughs> you know, do you know yeah, yeah. the people who question. live on your block or on right. your cul-de-sac? If not, get to know them. I think that would be the place to start. It doesn't mean you have to throw this big kind of elaborate party, mm-hmm. but I think even inviting them over for dessert, you know, you have to do the dinner thing if that's too overwhelming. Just inviting them over for dessert right. just to get to know them. I and so something I, I'd say with our students, but I think it also applies to those of us in our 30s and 40s, especially if we live kind of in the suburban sprawl and we're not local to, we didn't grow up in that particular context, mm-hmm. is um, to say, if something bad happens to you and you need to take them a meal, <laughs> do you have people who you are confident would sign up? Right. I love that question. You know, and if you don't, then I think you need to put yourself out there a little bit and try to reach out to people, not to say, you know, you know, not just waiting for them to bring you a meal, of course. (laughs) But I think you need to, we all need those people in our life who can just show up at a moment's notice Totally. Mm -hmm. if things are hard and, or people that you can just call if you're stranded, (laughs) you know, your car broke down and it's flat tire. I had that before. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We need those people, but a lot of that uh, is uh, we don't have that as much. And so we need to reach out to those people and get to know them and, and be hosts and hospitable. And I think it's really easy just to show up to the things that we've committed to, mm-hmm. whether it's soccer, watch our kids, cheer them on, come home, give them those oranges and pistachios. <laughs> <laughs> but I think those are opportunities to engage others as well. Um, so I think those are some things I would say, at least initially. And then I, I also think look for places in which, you know, if you have kids, that's a natural place to mm-hmm, meet true. people. If you don't, there are other ways in which you can kind of just get out and get to know other people. Yeah. I so love that, you that. Have the, that group, you know, that posse, if you will, of people who, you know, will uh, show up at a moment's notice if you need them. Yeah, completely. Well, thank you, Drew, so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. We know how busy it is. We have three kids. So five kids, that's like a whole other level. (laughs) So thank you so much for taking the time. Um, Before we end the podcast, can you tell our listeners sort of like how can they find your book? How can they purchase it? Um, Do you have a website they can connect with you and so on? Yeah, sure. So the book's available anywhere you buy books online. 
Uh, it's available at lifeway.com. It's available at <laughs> amazon.com. It's available at barnesandnoble.com, christianbook.com, anywhere that you can find books online. It's there. Um, Audible as well. There's an audiobook if that's your thing. Oh, great. Uh, uh, you can go to my website at understandyourcalling.com. Oh, that's a solid and, website name. I'd yeah, say. Good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, you can check out you know more about some of the things that I do and uh, more about the book there if you want to learn more about it. Fantastic. Well, thanks, Drew. Yeah, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview. It was fun for us to do. Yeah, it was our first interview that we were actually able to sit down and do together. We've done other interviews in the past, but for one reason or another, only one of us could do it. So it was cool. Yeah, so be sure to go to inbetween.org backslash episode 20 to download the show notes. And next episode, we are going to be talking about the importance of asking good questions. Yes, and continuing to do so. Mm -hmm. So I know a lot of times when we're dating, it's all like question after question after question, trying to get to know each other and trying to find out if we're compatible. Um, And then engagement, you know, you're going to your premarital counseling, all that, all these questions um, that are deeper. And then in marriage, sometimes we just feel like we know each other enough. And so we stop asking questions. But Um, I think we should continue doing that. Yeah, because there's a lot still. I mean, we're consistently changing Mm -hmm. and there's a lot still that we can learn about each other. So we're going to give you some great questions to ask if you're dating, if you're engaged and also if you're married to just um, spur up new conversations to encourage your date nights. And if you haven't yet downloaded our date night ideas be sure to do so at inbetween.org because we give you kind of splurge option and save option as well. So let's connect on social media at inbetween show and we will catch you next time. This episode was brought to you in part by the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast, an outreach dedicated to bringing joy, strength, intimacy, and purpose to couples seeking growth. Be sure to visit enneagramandmarriage.com to find your chemistry together again, or for the very first time.